This is 10 with Ken, a 10-minute interview series that's never 10 minutes. In this 10 with Ken special called Black Voices, I'll be speaking with prominent black leaders in Nevada to talk about who they are, their experiences as Americans and Republicans, and what matters most to them. It was an honor to speak with Jennifer Fauzi, a wife, mom, and passionate candidate for elected office. She loves America, its people, and wants it to continue to provide those blessings for her son and future generations. Enjoy. So I have Mason bringing Mark and Skittles out. So here's oh, the little oh, one. Oh, I love that. Skittles. That's Skittles. Oh my gosh. Hi, Skittles. <laughs> what kind of bird is that? I, a parakeet or a, what is it? Yeah, they're parakeets. And Mark just flew away. Did you see him? I just saw that. I saw him. Come here, Mark. Oh my gosh. He was a little green guy. And we are going to be adding to our bird family. Um, I intend on getting a macaw. So, oh um, yeah, I can't wait. So we've been kind of looking around and I, animals are like, I love them. I Come love here, Mark. That. Step up. Mark's a, Mark's a parakeet as well. Yeah, they're, they're both parakeets. Um, Mark is over here. But he is rambunctious. He's flying, like, yeah, he's flying around. That's, it sounds like a little helicopter. How, I did. I heard the, the fluttering. That is and they, so cool. Mason loves them. Um, they're best friends. They stay up late eating snacks together. Hey, Mark. I heard him. Hey, Mark. How funny. I do. I, I was hearing them in the background. It's it's actually kind of peaceful because you can kind of hear the you can hear that and you know. Oh, I hear that was less peaceful. Is he green? He's the He's I, green. I saw a green a green streak across the <laughs> screen. Okay, hold on a minute. That's very cool. Oh, he, I've got him. He's okay. Say hi, Mark. Say hi. Hi, hi Mark. <laughs> Jennifer, thank you so much for taking some time to talk to me today and. And, uh, you know, I, I am so glad to, to know you for, for these many years and uh, wanted to know, you know, help my listeners get to know you and, and hear from you. Um, and so I wanted to start with, can you tell everybody who you are? You know, I not a lot of people live in, I think you're running for state Senate 7, maybe it's Assembly 7. Can you tell me about that? Not all my <laughs> listeners live there. Tell me a little bit about you, uh, Jennifer Fozzie, and we'll, we'll move on from there. So it's pronounced Fauzi. I know it's spelled Fozzie, oh, but that was goodness. a mistake of my husband. He doesn't speak English as a first language. So, you know, getting the whole phonetic thing, but it's pronounced Fauzi. 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 That's good to know. That's good to know. Okay. Jennifer Fauzi. <laughs> Tell right. me a little bit about yourself. That's wonderful. Uh, so I am a second generation uh, Las Vegas native. I was born right here in Las Vegas. Um, I don't even know that the hospital I was born at still exists. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's how you know, I've gotten. Stop um, it. Stop it, please. <laughs> I'm a millennial. When people think millennials, they're thinking, you know, teenagers, 20 year olds. Millennials are almost 40. That's um, right. That's right. Yeah. So and it's, you're it's 29. So that's perfect. That's great. Right. <laughs> um, I am running for state Senate in District 8. So thank you. Thank you for correcting me on that. I had that wrong. Yeah. Well, you know, in 2016, I ran against Dina Neal um, and that was Assembly District 7. So I think that's why you kind of held on to seven. Yeah. I'm supposed to be a journalist. So you, if that if you thought I was a journalist, that was a bad misconception. I am just some dude. I should have known that. And my, my facts will be very often wrong. So <laughs> that's Okay. <laughs> Um, about me, let's see. Like I said, I'm a millennial. I'm a mom. Um, I 
work like every other um, mom nowadays. Um, I have a wonderful nine-year-old little boy named Mason. You probably met him a couple times. If not, you definitely will. I think I did. I I met him when he was when he was much younger. Yes. Yeah, he was like three. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) On the old, uh, like the the old Republican sort of headquarters in in Summerlin, it was on like Del Webb and whatever uh, up in like (laughs) up in uh, that the fifty five plus community. I remember that. I remember those were were good times back in twenty sixteen. So very. Wait to see him now. He's gotten so much bigger. Oh, I bet. I bet. How funny. That's very cool. Um, I got a little, uh, I got a little two-year-old. He's down for a nap right now, but he's far enough away so we don't have to be quiet. But uh, he's he's uh, a little, almost three. I guess he's almost three now. So it's uh, changed the world. Changed the world having a having a child of my own. It's it's crazy. True, true. I can't wait to meet him. Yes, absolutely. I'm sure. You know, as this these campaign campaign uh, season heats up, I'm sure he'll uh, he'll come with me, and uh, you know, he'll he'll be on my shoulders and yelling like we all do so anyway. well too bad he's like you know too young to vote because he really should be supporting me <laughs> i should I, I was gonna say i i we live you know if, if you're in senate eight um i think i'm in i think i'm on the border of senate eight and eleven i think i'm i think i'm okay. right inside eleven so but but he'll be he'll be rooting everybody on so he'll be recruit, rooting for the republican ticket so that's right that's all that matters that's very cool so you're 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 a mom uh you've got a, a, a nine-year-old son um what about your family? So where where is your family? Uh, are they California implants? You said second generation, which yeah. I am as well. So my my dad was born here in uh, in Las Vegas, and I was born here in Las Vegas as well. So we're both both natives. Yeah, and it's a different experience. People kind of think that you know we went to school in the strip, like we know everything about gambling. I, I've gambled not much because I I don't understand what it entails as far as rules and I don't know how to win or what's the point of the game. So I I don't gamble. Um, Yeah. People just have this whole stereotype about what it means to be born in Las Vegas. And it's definitely, it's, it's a city like any other city, but then a city, not like any other city, if that makes sense. It does. It makes total sense. It's, it's a very special place to live. Um, And, you know, when we go on vacation and, you know, Walmart's not open at 11 PM. I get kind of mad. So it's it's a 24 hour town that we're, we're used to. And, you know, I think Las Vegas has a lot to offer um, as far as food, entertainment, you'll meet people from everywhere, literally. So, and I think that's really unique um, to Las Vegas. There's glitz and glam. So it makes it attractive for people to come here and, movies to be made here. So it's an exciting place, but I don't live anywhere near the strip. I have no interest in really going to the strip. Well, I'm going today. I'm going to a fashion show mall today, but um, typically I don't, I don't go on the strip that very, very often. It is. It is. It's the same for me. I mean, we go and, you know, we'll see a show every once in a while and uh, you know, go down maybe to go to Maggiano's or something, you know, Ooh, like you said, yeah. a fashion show, you know, but uh, there's a whole city outside of it. And uh you know, especially, you know, you running, so you ran for an assembly district seven before, Mm -hmm. um, and and state Senate eight. Um, you know, what, what were those, what were those races like? Um, and, and what, what was it like in 20 compared to, cause it was in 2016, right. Or 2015. Yeah. 2016. Um, tell me about what you have learned. Um, and obviously, you know, for listeners, she's a Republican candidate for, for assembly seven and, uh, and Senate eight now, Tell me about your experiences at the door when someone, 
you know, look, meets meets Jennifer Fauzi and and meets you at the door, and you're knocking their door and talking to them, and you tell them, "I'm a Republican." And <laughs> what's that like? Can you tell us for 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 the people who don't walk doors um, and and don't know what that's like? Tell me 2016 versus now too. I want to see sort of has there been a comparison difference? Yes. Uh, between them, and maybe you're not knocking doors yet. It's a little early, but tell me about that experience. In 2016, I'll be perfectly honest, we knew going in that I was going to lose that race. Um, And I think knowing that also kind of made the experience uh, unique. Um, Dina is a wonderful person. Um, She, her father was also a politician and um, going against a person like her, for the first time, having no political uh, experience whatsoever, it was daunting <laughs> because everyone <laughs> knew who she was. Yeah. And it's like, here I am as the underdog, but I always, it's kind of like my motto, you have to be the hero in your own story. And so uh, I got to kind of see the backdrop of what it means to go into politics, um, meeting people, the challenges, especially as, as a Black Republican. And in uh, Assembly District 7, it's a democratic um, area. So we knew, yeah, I was going to take an L for the team, but most of the black people that live in, I guess, any minority that live in um, a heavily democratic area, um, I was kind of like a unicorn that they didn't think uh, a black female um, would be a Republican. No, I, I believe that. And, you know, I, it's just so funny because, you know, I, I came from Republican politics these many, many years, which is why I'm so imbalanced as a person. Um, but <laughs> it, it's a very, you know, people don't, they look at it, Assembly District 7, especially, and, you know, we won't talk about that old race um, too much, but we, we look at those, those races for those seats that are two to one Democrat or mm-hmm. three to one Democrat mm-hmm. uh, advantages and think, oh, well, why are we even running a candidate? Why are we even, you know, focusing over there? But honestly, like if we can take that, you know, take some of those Democrats and, and pull them into our corner, even just a yes. little bit, it helps the whole ticket above that. You know, it absolutely. Those races, those races do matter because, you know, you you want to be talking to voters that you want them spending money there. And so, you know, we can't just write those races off. Uh, we can't write that campaign as, oh, well, you know, Jennifer, I mean, yes, we know it's, it's going to, you know, the numbers are not on our side, but to have somebody like you knocking those doors and telling them like, here's who I am, you know, maybe you could listen to me and, and just give me a moment of your time. You know, I feel like those are really important. So that's wonderful that you're, uh, that you did that. Thank you. And I cool. agree. I think um, the outcome uh, of that election could have definitely been different um, if there was more support there. And I think as a whole, and I'm, I'm not trying to step on toes here, but I think if the GOP would have invested more time and energy um, into that race, not just because it's me, but because again, I do think a lot of the independents there could have been turned and a lot of the Democrats could have been turned because at the end of the day, um, a lot of people now look at politics as policy and person over party. Yes. I, I think that it doesn't matter what they heard about the Republican on TV you know, when you come at their door, they there's always this thing where it's like, I cannot stand Republicans, but that Republican, you know what I mean? The one that I spoke to, the one that I know, yeah. okay, maybe I'd vote for them. It, it really, oh, it's a real thing, you know, um, especially, you know, our brand right now is it's a little rough. Um, I think, uh, you know, we've got a strong base and I'm grateful for strong base Republicans very much. But, um, you know, I think for 
those those kind of middle grounders, that kind of center independent who just mm -hmm. can't stand DC, they can't stand the rat race, but they you know, but they love their small business. I feel like there's such a growth area for that, you know, and and you know, with people like you running, I think that that could help us, you know, especially in districts that we just haven't touched in a while. You know, I mean, I feel mm -hmm. like there are just so many races where like, okay, it's too blue, we don't have time. Like we can't do that. We can't write off mm -hmm. that race. We can't ignore it. Um, uh, we need help, and so. Uh, you ran for office then. Um, what what are you going to do differently this time? Or what what is your what did you learn from that last race that you're going to bring into your your state senate eight campaign? And I know you've got a primary. I, I get all. I mean, I actually don't know. I don't know if anybody's running. I eight, do. But, I do. Okay. You know what are you going to do differently this time? And what what do you what do you want to do uh, when you're talking to voters this year, especially post pandemic and heading into 2022? I think the pandemic is going to help me. And I know you're like, what, what? Well, I think it definitely will. See, again, going back to the demographic of millennials, millennials have been hit hard twice. A lot of people don't realize we, you know, in our 20s, uh, back in 08, when we had the collapse of the real estate market and last year, the entire planet shut down. So millennials are broke, <laughs> you know, they really are. And yes, so are. that frustration I can relate to because again, it affects me, I live here um, and as a parent, uh, as an employee, all this kind of stuff matters to me. And millennials are trying to figure out what are you doing to help us? You know, we have bills to be paid. We have credit cards. We have student loan debt, you know, um, and with a job market and economy that's that's changing um, and not necessarily for the better. Uh, they want someone in there who can relate and who can get in there and fix the problem. And, and Jennifer, I, I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy to have, uh, you know, a school age kid uh, during this pandemic. I, yeah. I don't know. I mean, you know, I don't know what school Mason goes to, but I have, I've just seen parents radicalized by, by the effects that it's having on their kid as, as, as Mason, you know, as that, you know, if you connected with parents on that of, you know, oh, how the, the pandemic's been handled. Absolutely. Absolutely. See, uh, with conservative parents, uh, cause that's typically who I hang around and, and Mason goes to a private school. So, um, they're outspoken like myself and they have no issue in telling you the mass mandate. Um, they have an issue with that and the talk about mandatory vaccines for students, uh, regardless of where you stand, it's certainly controversial. Um, and so for me, I'm a hands-on parent. Before politics, before anything else, I'm a mom and, and Mason is my legacy. So whatever is affecting not just Mason, but other children, it has something to do with us. And um, if, if you ever get a chance to go on my website, you'll see I, I have a lot of information about how I feel about schools, education, uh, school choice in general. Um, and I don't know, I, I think that it's a very unique time that students are having and I'm, I'm scared for them on some level. Um, I'm excited for them because it has brought uh, technology to the forefront and a lot of kids are adapting by doing K-12 on, online at home, um, kind of the hybrid model of some days they're going in person and some days they're at home. So I think that has been a benefit or a positive throughout this whole pandemic. It is. I mean, it is forced innovation. Like, you know, I mean, I, I love teachers. I love, you know, public school teachers helped me become the person that I am today. I'm, I'm so yeah. grateful for my CCSD education. Um, but I think that there is a lot of uh, just, just old 
sort of ways in, in, in our current education system. And, it, and it's so wonderful that Mason could attend that private school. I know you want to, you know, I'm sure you're a school choice advocate who you want to bring that sort of experience to, to public school students too. Absolutely. Um, but I just feel like education has just, you know, this pandemic for all of the terrible things, it has forced education to sort of adapt to a new model a little bit in, in some areas of, you know, integrating technology more and, you know, integrating parents into the conversation even more than ever. And I think we're seeing those pressures uh, at school boards right now, parents who, you know, not that they're uh, not paying attention, but they're, they're much more involved than they were. And they're looking at stuff and going, okay, this isn't right, you know, or, or yeah. this is right, you know, whatever. Um, and so that that's wonderful that he's had that experience to at least, you know, private, I feel like private schools have really shown their differences as well is, some some have been in-person schooling or provided more options for their students yes. too. I mean, I think that's I, I, what a wonderful uh, opportunity for him to at least have that during this pandemic. Absolutely. You know, and I think that all parents should have the choice of where they send their school, whether it be public, private, charter, online, you know, uh, because every child learns differently. Every family's structure is unique. Um, it's not a cookie cutter scenario because now we have parents working at home. Um, yep. We have, unfortunately, parents who are unemployed, you know, um, single parents who have difficulty with an eight to five work schedule and school gets eight out, you know, eight to three. So um, these are challenges that need to be addressed because uh, anything that is affecting society at large, you know, I think needs to be talked about because it, it, sh it shapes um, Las Vegas, it shapes Nevada, it shapes our country. Yeah, it really does. I mean, it's the foundation, right? I mean, it's just most of us are public school kids and, you know, we're the ones that are going to be affecting, you know, we're going to be voting and we're the ones yeah. that are going to be, you know, running businesses and employees and bosses. And, you know, absolutely. I totally agree. What, what are your, what are your top, top issues, Jen? What are, what are you, you know, when, when people ask you at the door, you know, whether you've gone to doors or not yet, but when you go to the door, what are you going to tell them are your top one, two, three, you know, maybe two, maybe three issues that motivated you to run? Um, and motivated you to run for office this year? So it's it's kind of similar to when I ran for assembly. It's my top three. Number one is the economy. And I feel that the economy is very important because the financial well-being of a city, of a country, is directly um, related to crime. That a lot of people who get desperate and who don't have any other option, or at least they feel they don't have any other option, will commit petty crimes, larger crimes, and um, you know, studies have shown that the economy has a direct uh, correlation to that. So high unemployment, high crime. And we've seen an uptick. I mean, if you turn on the news, Channel 8, 3, 13, you'll see that there have been more home invasions, break-ins, robberies. Because some people, you know, they don't, they feel that they don't have an option and they're desperate. So I want to see Las Vegas, um, Nevada as a whole, um, diversify its economy. I think that we can bring back more mining. Um, I'm very pro miner. I love the northern part of the state. I'm a big fan of going up to White Pine County, um, Elko, Esmeralda, and that little town called Eureka. So cute. So <laughs> yes, absolutely. They're, they are treasures in, in the West, really. They absolutely they are. are. You know, Mason loves it too. In fact, I, I had um, planned to go up to Winnemucca for the CCRP voting thing, but my plans got a you know, turned around a little bit, so I couldn't make it. 
That's right. Um, it's the state state uh, state GOP meeting this weekend. That's right. That's Win- right. Winnem- Good old Winnemucca, Winnemucca, yeah. Nevada. So <laughs> I didn't plan on driving because I'm not a road warrior like that. Like I'd have to hitch a ride with somebody. So if you know somebody it's, next time, <laughs> you can ride. <laughs> it's it's a uh, it's a long drive um, because you know Winnemucca is that that I mean it's right in the freaking middle, right? You got Elko's two hours away, and then like Fernley or whatever is two two hours away. It's a uh, it's right in the middle of nowhere of, of two nowhere you know nowhere. I mean, it's just so far up there yeah no and it's it, wonderful place nice little town you know and i think um i think too you know just when people think of nevada they think of las vegas and they don't think of that beautiful area of the state i do I, oh my I gosh i like i said the small town i don't know if it's because i grew up you know watching my grandparents um look at cowboy movies but when I got to get away from the hubbub of the strip and just the people and all that stuff that's here in Vegas I get on the 93 and I'll go up to Pioche. Um, what's the other one? Caliente, right? Is that the next yes. stop? Yes. Okay, Beautiful little small towns. Yes. I love I them. Think, yeah. And Caliente, you're getting, you're getting more towards the Utah border. So it reminds yes. me of St. George more, but it, it is, it's still that like blending of, you know, sort of that, that small, it's a different Nevada almost, you know, it is those small towns. So like you went back in time, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it, it, everyone's super friendly and, and and very quiet. I do love that. I love that part of it. You can leave your, you know, car unlocked and stuff, but enough about ripping, ripping that part. I better get back <laughs> to my, <laughs> what I'm campaigning. I know. We're ta- yeah, it's, it's a little far out from, from uh, State Senate 8. You know, we're talking about, I, I want to know more about your journey to become a Republican. So, you know, I talked to, to our, our friend Sherman Ray and Sherman told me he's been a Republican since the Reagan era. He's 18 years old. He's like, I knew I was gonna be a Republican. Um, you know, I have, I have other black friends where it has absolutely been a journey. I have a friend who became a Republican in 2017 because of President Trump. Like, where where were you and what was that journey like to become maybe not even just a registered? Like, h- how do you get there? How do you get there to becoming running for office as a Republican? It was an evolution, uh, to be honest with you. I didn't really know I was a Republican until I was a victim of uh, a violent crime, actually. Uh, I had suffered a home invasion a few years back, and um, it really made me learn more about gun rights, the Second Amendment uh, laws, and how our communities are really impacted. And... um, that's also part of my campaign. Like I'm hardcore on second amendment. Like if anybody knows me, they know I'm packing. So <laughs> yes, um, I love that. Yeah. And especially as a woman too, uh, I believe that responsible firearm ownership is the great equalizer. Um, all creatures in nature, Mark included, uh, have the ability <laughs> to defend themselves. So um I think human beings responsibly, again, have that right to defend themselves as well. And our founding fathers, you know, they knew what they were doing. Um, so, again, it was a, it was an evolution. Um, I started to realize that what uh, Democrats um, would always have black people in kind of like this negative light in the media. I'm like, this doesn't make sense. I don't know any black people that act like that or that live like that. So, um for me, it just, the conservative values lined up with who I am as a person, um, my character. Um, and I, that's not to say I'm like ultra far right or anything. I think I'm right dead in the middle to where there's some issues. I'm like, yeah, the Dems have a point. And then there's some like, mm. <laughs> yes, yes. So. I think most Americans are there. And I, I don't, I think we, these days, the media 
really makes us try to be 100 or zero, you know, and, yes. and try to divide, you know, especially in Nevada, we're such a bellwether sort of like purplish state. And I kind I kind of like that. Of course, I wish we were all Republicans. Of course, I want that. But but Nevada is sort of beautiful like that. We've got this kind of California mix with like, you know, uh, mixed with like our, our conservative values. You know, we we want we're kind of dead set in the middle. I, I believe I totally agree with that. And I think that's, you know, it's very tried and true Nevada is to be kind of not fit into the box uh, uh, either way. Um, and so that that's very cool. Um, obviously, you know, that to have that experience happen to you to form your political views is, is terrible. I would never want someone to have to go through something like that. Um, I, I can't imagine going through something like that and then, uh, you know, have doing that. But it, it is really interesting to see that that is a part of, of your political journey. Um, and, and so is it, so obviously it's, it's more for those gun rights and, and more for the ability to protect yourself as an individual that that's important Absolutely. to you. And that's, Absolutely. I do think um, touching back on um, what happened to me is, you know, it would have been a totally different outcome, a life changing experience for those people who broke in in my house at 3 a.m. Um, armed, you know, uh, and it North Las Vegas's response time was greater than 45 minutes, you know, and I, I truly believe now, like mm, they were going to do the same thing I would have done <laughs> if I were armed. Yes. So um, yes. it made me a huge advocate because of experience. I think experience is the greatest teacher. So unless you've been through it, and that's not to say you can't sympathize, but you don't know until you've been through something like that. Yeah, no, no, absolutely not. I mean, I, I couldn't even understand, uh, you know, what, what you've had to, to do thinking that you weren't secure in your person. I think um, I heard an interview um, and obviously this is a very different experience than what you went through, but uh, I think her name was Amanda. She was a UNR student and and she was unarmed. And she said if, if she was armed because she had a, a, an assault on her, on herself as well. I think it was a sexual assault. Ooh. I can't imagine in her interview about not feeling secure in your person, not being able to defend yourself and not yeah. being able to, I, I literally cannot relate. And I, I can't imagine uh, that feeling. And I, I hope that, you know, you now feel now having the ability to, whether it's concealed carry or open carry, I'm, I'm, oh, yeah. I, I'm more of a concealed carry kind of guy, but yeah. uh, to have that ability to at least feel more, that doesn't guarantee you'll be protected, but gives you another tool in the, yes. you know, the back pocket. Gives you a you know. chance. And, you know, I never wanted to be that person that's like cowering down, begging for, you know, my, the life of my family or the life of myself. And again, that's where firearms training and education comes from, that it's a tool. You know, as you said, there's no guaranteed outcome of anything. There's nothing in life that's guaranteed. But there is that show of force that a lot of criminals will back down once they know they're like, hey, I don't want no sweat here. I don't want, you know. That's right. That's so, right. That's <laughs> right. People, all they have to do is hear it or hear that rack or, or see it and they're they're out of there. Um, That's right. But if it does come to uh, lethal force and you got to do what you got to do, stand your ground state. Just saying. I, I feel the exact same way. No, I, I, I do. And I, I, unfortunately the media narrative has turned very much against that. Um, yes, I had a conversation with, uh, with Phil Smith, who's the, it's the national African-American gun association. I think Naga. NBA. Naga yes. <laughs> I yes. Know Naga. He, he is just an incredible person. I mean, and just, we had, you know, I had to post 25 minutes of an interview. We had a much longer, but you know, he's just an incredible person. The same thing. He was just very much on that. Hey, I'm here to defend myself. I'm here mm -hmm. to, you know, it was a very, very simple 
you know, reasoning behind, uh, you know, firearm rights. And I, I, that's, that's where I'm at. It's, it's about, Hey, I'm going to my, protect my family. That's my goal. Um, and so, so that's another good thing to hear, you know, about that, that has informed your kind of, kind of route to becoming a Republican in that evolution. Um, Tell me about, and you know, obviously the focus of, of these series, the series of this interview is talking about being a, being a black Republican and, and what, what is that like? It's a very unique thing to be a black Republican. I mean, it you is. know, I don't have to tell you that. Um, and I want to, to, to the fellow Republicans that are watching this and, and, you know, the Democrats that are watching whatever, what, what is that? What's that conversation like with your family? You know, what, what's Thanksgiving like? Uh, do you come from a Republican family um, or a conservative family? You know, maybe it's not the party label. What's that like? How do those conversations go for you, Jennifer? Brutal. It's it's brutal um, because the uh, parts of my family who are not Democrat. I mean, Mason's father's a Democrat, you know, so <laughs> it's 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 tough. Um, I think it's constantly having to defend yourself that you don't fit a certain stereotype, that you don't fit a certain narrative. Um, and it's sad because I find that it's not necessarily the case with other races. If you see, you know, a Chinese Republican or a Mexican Republican, it's no sweat, but if you're black, oh my God, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, because black people are not painted as conservative. When historically we've always been, black people have always had to depend on their community, their family, uh, working for themselves. Because again, you know, the history of, uh, segregation, um, after the slave trade, you know, there was, you had no other choice than to rely on yourself. Um, and I think that it's slowly making a comeback that a lot of, uh, black people are waking up and saying, you know what, even if they don't become a Republican, they're like, I'm just leaving the democratic. So, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely, I have to fight against being called Uncle Tom, Coon, what else? Um, aren't you pro-abortion? And I'm like, well, why? You know, I'm a woman of faith. I believe in God. So, hey, you know, like it or leave it. And so it's it's become like they force you into a mold that makes them feel secure. And I'm not a part of any mold. I am a Republican Black woman, and I'm very proud of it. It's wonderful. I, uh, I had this conversation with, with Mormons. I'm a, you know, I grew up, uh, LDS and I, I just, I, I talk with, with Democrat Mormons and I'm like, you know, of all the people, Mormons have a very tough history with the federal government. It's a bad history. Uh, we, we are not trusting of the, of the federal government. And, and I feel the same way with black people. It's like, we, I, you know, I'm not a big government guy. You know, the government's not really been good to, to my history and I'm sure it hasn't been good to yours either. And that's uh, right. You know, I, I feel that same way. The heavy distrust of government, I think, is kind of pulling people out of not just black people, but like all of these sort of traditional democratic or Democrat, excuse me, like, you know, uh, uh, groups is it's kind of pulling them away of like and, and, and I'll tell you that the modern left, meaning like right now, especially like post Trump and, and during the, the Trump administration, they became this kind of they became actually illiberal. Right. I'm, I'm pretty liberal when it comes to like giving people the freedom, right? I want people yes. to have the freedom to make their own choices, whether it's school, you know, with their bodies, even I want them to have that choice. And I feel like the left now is so much against personal choice, maybe yes. on some certain issues, you know, but if it, they love choice on certain things, but they absolutely hate choice when it comes to schools and they hate choice when it comes to, you know, vaccine, uh, you know, mandates and stuff like that. I feel like they're very much illiberal. And I think that's pulling away people from 
that Democratic Party a little bit. They're like, I may not be a Republican, but uh, like you said, it's not that. Well, I think the left or the opposition, I'll just call them the opposition for now. I think that it's become they're exerting too much control and they're making people feel like their personal individual rights is selfish and it's not. You know, at the end of the day, we are individuals and you have a right to express yourself as an individual. And the Constitution is very clear, both state and federal Constitution. It is a living, breathing document. And that's what differentiates America from the rest of the planet, you know, is that we have that um, document that guarantees our freedom, period. It's not up for debate. It's not up for discussion. That's the way it is. And we can use other countries as case studies. when rights are infringed, exactly how it goes down. No, absolutely. I that the freedom is being painted as like selfishness right now. Yes, I think that's that's a, a very bad uh, bad trend. Um, you know, I, I want people to live live their lives in their own confines, obviously without infringing on other people. But like, I want them to have that freedom. I don't I don't want everybody to think exactly like me, or because I think a certain way to be forced to think how I think. I, I don't really want that. I feel like a lot of, you know, a lot of us and especially Republicans, we're kind of seeing this, you know, we, we haven't, Republicans have not been consistent on choice. I am absolutely open with that. I think we need to be more consistent when it comes to choice. And then, and we say choice and it always goes to abortion. It's not about that. It's about more than that choice in all things. Right. Um, I I think that's a God given right. And I think that our party needs to be, you know, more about that because the Democrats are going the opposite way. I mean, they are going anti-choice you know, as, as much as they can right now. And it's, it's not a good trend. It, it really and part is of what they're feeding on is that we're unfortunately as much as knowledge has kind of exploded in the past like decade uh, via the internet and social media. I think that they're preying on the fact that a lot of people really are ignorant to their rights and, and how to use them. Um, and they're banking on that. And that's kind of why education is important to me, not indoctrination, education, Um, Because you can be indoctrinated to believe anything. But when you're educated, education stands up to the test of time, um, to criticism, you know, logic. And I think logic and reason really needs to make a comeback. Um, And again, that's why it's important to teach your children now while they're young. So they grow up knowing why they believe what they believe, who they are, what they stand for. Um, The American heritage, right? Right. and in the same way, on a macrocosm, like we have a Las Vegas heritage, you know, um, and it's important to pass that down, to have that tradition. And again, that's that's why I'm a Republican, because I believe in conserving that history, that tradition, um, conserving who we are as a people. And uh, yeah, I guess informing other black people, especially um about what it means to be conservative and to be black and conservative. Yes, absolutely. I am. I, I I love hearing that. And I, I, you know, I think a lot of Republicans would say they want to do that, right? They're like, wow, that sounds great, Jennifer. Um, But I, you know, our party can be a a little homogenous. And and by that, I mean, our party is pretty white. And, yes. and it, 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 it is in, in a nice way. And everybody's gonna be like, oh, well, look at these facts, you know, President Trump and President Trump did. He he won, you know, as much of the Hispanic vote, in fact, better than than most past Republican presidents. Uh, yeah. You know, there's a, a huge uh, caden, cater, excuse me, of of Asian Republicans and, and Hispanic Republicans. And I love them very much. But when it comes to like the leadership and it comes to sort of the 
you know, the same 200 people we go to all those events with, right? Those mm-hmm. lunches and stuff like that. I, I feel like they, they're like, wow, that sounds great, Jennifer. You know, how do we do that? And, yes. and I, I want to know, you know, you as a black woman and, and talking, you know, your black family and your, you know, friends, you know, I, I, I try to talk to, you know, friends of all, you know, kind of backgrounds, religious, non-religious, you know, black, Hispanic, whatever. What do you think, and, and in your experience, what does the Republican Party need to do right now, this day, to sort of win these new groups of voters and win, you know, black black people back and those that are questioning the the, the accepted narrative and they're like, how do we win them back? What what's the issue or what's the message that you think? I think we there need to has take? to be acknowledgement first, uh, and this goes for Republican or Democrat acknowledgement of a very painful past in American history, right? And with acknowledgement, there has to become a discussion. And I do think there's some responsibility on white people to have that discussion with black America um, because black people feel slighted on on many levels, whether it be socioeconomic, um, socially, there are just so many that we can't really go over in entirety in this interview. But I think that having that dialogue first and creating um, that platform for us to talk about what is it that Black America needs, um, Black Nevada, what we need, um, what changes are going to benefit us positively. And once we know what that is, then take the actions to implement it. You know, um, Black people are uh, the most affected when it comes to healthcare issues. Um, Unfortunately, we lead, you know, the highest in heart disease and diabetes and things like that. Um, and it comes from, well, poverty. When you're poor, you can only afford, you know, you're not going to Whole Foods, in other words. You're going to McDonald's for That's that right. dollar menu. Um, you may not be able to afford good doctors, uh, medical insurance, period. Um, and so all these things kind of encompass the Black experience. And, um and that's not to say that every black person experiences that, but we're certainly aware sure. of it. And Absolutely. I think that once that playing field is evened, then you'll see um, more black people start to say, well, you know, these uh, policies make sense and if they can help my community and you'll see people become Republicans. But again, it starts with that, that conversation, that acknowledgement and just take it from there. Yeah, I, I I very much uh, appreciate that. I and and very much agree with that. I think for a lot of Republicans, Jennifer, when we start to talk about acknowledging, uh, you know, America's past, some Republicans get so defensive and so yes. America's past, as 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 spotted and as as bad as some of its moments can be, does not make America any less great. To me, overcoming slavery and overcoming Jim Crow. And, and, and there's, there's so much work to be done um, in, in, in bringing true equality to Americans, this country. And, and that transcends racial lines as well. Absolutely. I'm not afraid of America's past. I, I think some Republicans are so afraid to acknowledge slavery, to acknowledge the bad things that America as a country has done. The, the beauty is overcoming that. And the beauty is that America can grow past that and, and take that and make us ourselves better. Take that that bad part of us and and make it better. And and right those wrongs. And you know, we can all we can debate for another hour and a half about how to do that. That's that's the big question is how. But I think we should be comfortable acknowledging that and talk to that. I love that you said that. Like just let's let's acknowledge it first, 
and then tailor our solutions to to help kind of overcome that. I think that's I think I think Black Americans want to hear that. They do absolutely, and and that's where you're seeing a lot of the outrage. And you know, like you said, that they're afraid to touch it or to approach it. But guess what? Black history is also white history. Okay, if it affects Black Americans in America, it's affected white people in America too. It's we have a shared history. We have a shared culture. We're in a nation at the same time. So uh, essentially, outside of maybe my hair texture and skin color, that's the only thing that really separates me from you. Oh, and gender right. as well. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's a whole yeah. other interview. We have to do that. That's a whole other. Have to come, come and come and set this up again. But uh, Jennifer, I I very much appreciated um, what you had to say today. I'm so glad um, I could give you give you this time and 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 talk with you about these issues and and get to know you a little bit more and. Um, you know, so as we round out, um, I want to give you just a, just a moment to give me give your pitch. Uh, what do you want the listeners of today's program to do after listening to Jennifer today? Do you want them to visit your website, learn about your campaign? Go go Absolutely. ahead and tell us tell us what you want want them to do. Well, I certainly want to earn your vote. Uh, for me, it's not necessarily about winning; it, it's really about changing Nevada for the for the better. You know, I have a child here. You guys are parents, I'm sure. And if you're not, you still live here. Um, this is a job interview for me and I'm asking to get that job. I'm asking to be elected. And if you don't like me, I mean, you can always fire me, <laughs> but I'm sure that That's won't right. be the case. Um, right. I'm approachable. I'm not, I'm not a career politician. I'm very much down to earth. Um, please visit me at fousey4nv.com. My telephone number is there. Call text and, uh, hope to see you in 22. That is awesome. Jennifer, thank you so much for your time. And, and to the special guests of, of it's Mark and Skittles, right? Yeah. They've been wonderful. So <laughs> glad to have them. So um, Jennifer, thank you so much. And uh, I hope you have a great week. And, and really, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Thank you.